It's Typo Waffle Time! Right, welcome to Tefl Waffle. Where we waffle about Tefl. And who are you? I'm Steve. And I am Troy. Right, good to know. Um, for those of you who are new to the podcast, we waffle. And we Tefl. <laughs> That's a verb, right? <laughs> yeah, we Tefl. Well, I think waffling is actually our strength. Uh, not, not so much Tefling, okay. Alright, today I want to talk about... Um, Things that teachers think they know, but actually are not supported by research. Okay, oh, so, so most things then. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good point. Well, well let's 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 focus on. <laughs> yeah, narrow it down a bit. <laughs> let's focus on these things that are currently called neuromyths. They're coming out as neuromyths. So neuromyths are things that things that people have always thought about the brain. Ah, um, oh, you mean like those silly things like, we only use 10% of our brain, which yeah. is complete BS. Which is true. Okay, so yeah. that's a neuromyth. Okay, okay. more to a Tiffley waffle sort of point. Um, what do you know about VAK? Uh, the visual audio kinesthetic. Yeah, so these are uh, learning styles. This, uh, this is the old traditional concept of, of learning styles. Yeah, right? so it's, uh, it's actually... Uh, I, I, I don't know, there's two different ways to come at it. From the, uh, I guess, research or psychology perspective of some people are visual learners, they need to see things, and some people are auditory, they need to hear. Some people are kinesthetic, they need to do. Right. Uh, never been a big proponent or fan of it well, the, the from a theoretical, yeah. theoretical perspective. So the traditional thinking is that if you're an auditory learner, you learn best by listening to... Yeah. A lecture or getting transmissive input or... Um... See, the funny thing is, uh, uh, I've always kind of used it, but not as a... You, as a student, are very visual, so I need to do this for you. I've used it more as a... In my classes, it can't be all see or tell or do. It should be some see and some some hear and some do... And I've used it as a way of making sure that my classes have variety. Variety, yeah. Okay, but, so I, but I'm taking my classes, my students as a, a whole, not as you, the visual, this part's for you, and right. you, the kinesthetic, this bit's for you. Well, in in in, in the teacher training programs of, of your... Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you mean back like when... Like three years ago. <laughs> um, the, or of your, that was when I started, I think. In the uh, land of your... Well, I mean, the, the thing is that this VAK thing has been around forever, and it makes intuitive sense. Some it's people learn better. It's the 70s, right? 60s, 70s? Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. 1952? Really? No, I don't know. Oh. Anyway, um, um, it makes intuitive sense. So a lot of people hear it, get the input, and go, yeah, that makes sense. I learn visually, um, and it, it seems like we do. And I remember doing tests to... Are you a visual learner? Or oh, yes, I remember again? those, yeah. And, you know, where you get placed is that part of the lesson must be then before you. And then, as a teacher, you are supposed to plan for visual learners. And this stuff is for the visual learners. And if you have a class that's predominantly kinesthetic, kinesthetic then you must plan heavily kinesthetic lessons. And Oh, I also, I've seen it uh, approached from the opposite end which mm-hmm. I thought was quite interesting mm-hmm. as a teacher I am therefore I will naturally do mm-hmm. so I'm a very visual 
learner. So as a teacher, I'm going to lean towards more visuals. Mm. So I need to be aware of that and make sure that I also incorporate some audio and kinesthetic stuff. Right. So that's good. Okay. So the, 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 the current thinking now is that this is a load of hogs. I mean, the thing is that there are visual, auditory and kinesthetic learning styles and we all have them. Yeah. And some people may tend towards one or the other, but I think the, the the fact that they can't find research to support that a visual learner learns best in a visual oriented classroom. Okay, um, so it's the research says it's true that there are visual learners or it can't even support that part. No, that's not even supported. There there's probably a tendency for people to to prefer, but it's not a learning style, it's a preference. Okay. Um I learn when I'm listening to a podcast, I learn really well auditorily. Okay. Um, but, but when, when I'm you're watching TV... <laughs> when you're listening to a lecturer that's been going on talking about his PowerPoint, or reading straight from the PowerPoint slides for 45 minutes. <laughs> you start minutes. becoming a visual learner. Um, or you start becoming kinesthetic. I'm not doing anything. That's why I can't learn. I'm wobbling my foot, and that's what's causing my learning. Yeah, okay. Um, so the the, orient, the the conception of, of using these learning styles as a way to design your lesson or a way to engage your students is flawed. Okay. As a way to keep your lesson balanced, as you were saying, it's not flawed. That's probably a really good idea to, to make sure that your lesson includes some visual input and some auditory input yeah. and some kinesthetic input. Yeah. Uh, Tony, when... Can you uh, find a kinesthetic input? That sounds weird. Kinesthetic... Kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. Oh, yes. Okay, whichever one. Yes. Um, but I found some of the tests, like, okay, uh, I was always under the understanding, or perhaps I always, I worked out this understanding myself, that the, the tests were just like a slight indicator rather than an actual proper test. Well, that's right. That's exactly what it is, is these are preferences, not styles. But I also thought that all of the tests on it were, were inherently flawed. You can't test a kinesthetic learner's kinesthetic learning abilities by giving them a written questionnaire. Yes, and a, a lot of these, a lot of these tests that we did were, I learn best when, which is a self-report yeah. approach. And of course, if I feel at the time like, or That's I've just true. come out of a lecture where I learned really okay. well, then I'm, my yeah. responses are going to be heavily biased because that's what self-report is about. It's, yeah. It depends on the time of day and what's just happened before. And, and a lot of these psychological tests of your yeah. um, relied on, on, on self-report. There are self-report and the other one were like heavy, the ones that I preferred actually were, were still correlative. Is that the <laughs> adjective? I love these Correlative. <laughs> Correlative, um, where there'd be statements on there like, uh, when I'm on the phone, I stand up and walk around. Uh, and which that correlates, that means that... You, correlates to kinesthetic, yeah. you, you need to move, which I thought, I mean, those ones, I, I thought they made more sense on the test, but if I think about it now, yes, it's definitely just correlation. Mm. All right, so that's one. That's that the That's VAK, VAK. Yeah, the learning styles thing. We... I think has been debunked as a. Uh, I mean, it's been removed from a lot of the teacher training courses now because it's not a valuable set of inputs for trainee teachers to worry about. So we, you spend a lot of time learning the theory, and the practical usage of that theory is is useless. In actual fact, if you spend all your time 
planning a visual lesson, you're probably doing your students a disservice because they need all three. They yeah. need all three things in every lesson. So just put all three things in every lesson. I mean, not realizing that there are visual aspects to learning and auditory aspects to learning and kinesthetic, kinesthetic <laughs> aspects to learning. Yeah, well, that's probably worth learning, but that takes about three minutes to learn in a teacher training course. Anyway. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. So uh, Does that lead us on to MI, the more advanced version of VAK? Multiple intelligences. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that wasn't where I was going, but yes, multiple intelligences is, is another problem. So we, we started with three VAK, and then MI went to seven, and then got expanded to eight, then yeah. nine? Yeah, so there's a spiritual intelligence. And a, I can't remember what the ninth one was. I don't know. I remember there's they, a naturalist uh, god. Yeah, that was the set. That was the eighth. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the one that got added later. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know this, it's just... It's VAK, but it's so much more segregated into i'm i'm a, a interpersonal learner i learn well, best when interacting yeah but the multiple intelligence series came out of a different from a different angle the um, gardner's idea was that to the the traditional q uh, iq test yep, intelligence yep, yep. test is was very highly thought. biased in favor of people with mathematical um, yeah, math. It was math, math and language. language, and and no, uh, no, no. Visual spatial. Uh, visual spatial. Yeah. Yes. And um, people. He his argument is we're all intelligent. We're in, all just but different, in different ways. In different ways. So my IQ is one hundred and thirty. Then that means I'm really stupid when it comes to something else. Yeah, but um, he would say, yes, but you're naturalistic. Was yeah, my natu- natural my naturalist intelligence is two hundred and forty. So you're great with <laughs> plants. Yeah, gardening. Gardening. And, and agriculture and, and anyway, so seeing he, relationships between flowers and trees, and right, and, and butterflies. On on this neuromath thing, yes, this is difficult to support with any research. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how you, it's, this is hard, to, but the concept behind it, and I don't think that anybody's ever really ever taken this very seriously. I mean, there's a difference. There's hardly any difference between one of these intelligences and a hobby or an interest or a, yeah. a, a passion focus or, or a, a, yeah yeah so I'm yeah. musical therefore I have high musical intelligence doesn't make that much sense and I hated gardening when I was a kid but now I do it as a hobby so I must have Your developed natural, my naturalist natural intelligence or whatever I had a latent naturalist intelligence <laughs> that only bloomed in my but but doddering years as with the VAK, learning style stuff, it is good for a teacher to consider these in terms of the fact that you can't call a child stupid. Oh, yeah, or you're one enough. of your yeah. students stupid. Or the fact that my student can't learn languages doesn't mean that they're they're weak on brain power or anything like that. Yeah, so that weird, interesting thing where you get a, a student who you perceive as being quite good and then you look at their test scores and realise... Oh, it's just that they're outgoing and fluent, mm. but actually they they can't, they can't do their the grammar testing. or yeah. something like that is bad. Or, yeah. So it's a good thing to learn, but it's not a good thing to take to heart. I think is the yeah. I remember doing something where we're trying to work out well, how would you ever plan a lesson to incorporate seven different eight, types nine, of nine, nine. eight nine spiritual intelligence i'll stick in 10 minutes of spiritual meditation in between yeah, my how do i incorporate activity. that into my lesson yeah. i mean it'd be hard enough if you had just 11 homeroom students who you saw all the time and knew very very well yeah. but imagine doing it in the typical efl context where 
I've got 23 classes of 35 students. Okay, more problematic than that, because I think the MI theory, multiple intelligence theory, is, is good um, in terms of, of keeping a teacher balanced. And, um, okay. Um, but let's talk about learning strategies. Ooh. Yeah. What is a learning strategy, Troy? All right, so let's go with my unresearched understanding just uh, based on experience. Correct. So things like teaching the students to keep a vocabulary diary of new words that they learn. What would that point of that be? Uh, that the student can write words down on paper. I've never quite understood the point. I don't get my students to do it. Okay. I know it's supposed to be a revision tool, but... Okay, but so the, the idea with learning strategies, in, in a traditional classroom, learning comes from the teacher. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm the teacher, and the students sit passively waiting for me to impart my pearls of wisdom, and they... Gobble them up, gobble and, them and up now and, smarter and, for it. Right. Yeah. Um, the idea with learners, with strategy training is you actually, instead of teaching the students things... You're teaching them how to learn things. Yeah, you're teaching them the strategies how to learn things. So keeping a learner diary, keeping a vocabulary diary is a clever way to recycle your vocabulary that you've learned or um, teach the students how to use dictionaries and when to use dictionaries is a really good idea because that that shows them let's first try and guess, second let's, you know, those kind of things which which a competent language learner knows or does does naturally, yeah. yeah. So let's have a look at a perfect language learner. What are the strategies that they use to learn languages fast and then teach those same strategies to weak learners? And Again, then, coming at it from the correlation end rather than the causation. I'm a really good student. What makes you good? Well, I do all these things. All right, well, I'll get my weak student to do all those things and then they'll be good. And then they'll be good too, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, 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 that very line, in actual fact, is how a lot of teacher training works. What does a good teacher do? Oh, let's look at, let's look yeah. at how we can get our bad teachers to do those same things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, the research in the, in the 80s and 90s on on strategy training was intense. And when I did my teacher training program, we learnt strategy teach training as a thing. To, teach yeah. all your students to do this stuff. Do these things. Okay, so we had memory strategies, like keeping diaries and okay. memorizing lists of things and using images to support new input, you know, draw little pictures to that kind of stuff. And here's how to do a mental mnemonic to remember right, a right, new right, okay, word yeah, and mnemonics and, okay, and then there were cognitive strategies. So cognitive strategies are things like um, analyzing and analyzing new input and, and reasoning why things. So why is option almost the same as opt? Analyze it out and look at it and... Uh, how do I make this noun into an adjective? And, and okay, okay the, which are good strategies for a yeah. student. I mean, they're not bad. Um, how to <laughs> take very I mean, they're not bad. <laughs> so they're, saying they're not good. They're just not bad. Well, they're, they're useful. Taking notes and summarizing and highlighting. And these are things that we studied how to do when we were at high school to become great university students, you know? Yep. Cognitive strategies. And then there were comprehension strategies. I'm actually taking this from Oxford. Oxford was the big name. Um, yeah, Rebecca Oxford. She she did a lot of research in her. She did her PhD and then ton of research about strategies. So comprehension strategies like <clears throat> um, drawing links between different parts of a text, uh, 
understanding the organization of a text or, I don't know, using circumlocution or synonyms to understand language. Wait, I'm not finished. And then there were metacognitive strategies. I know you want to say something. Um, he's got that look on his face. Things like metacognitive strategies are understanding your own learning, um, being able to monitor when you can or can't uh, say something because Troy wants to say something. Else. <laughs> <laughs> Evaluating how well you do. Then there are affective strategies, which are things like controlling your emotions, uh, controlling which your anxiety. Yes, yes, control yourself, Troy. Encouraging yourself. <laughs> And the last one, you're about to say something now, you can, are social strategies, which are things like knowing when and how to speak to other people to support your learning, um, <laughs> cooperating with others to support your learning, uh, empathizing with others who are not learning as well as you, as you are, and then helping those. So there's basically all those one, two, three, four, five, six different kinds of strategies, yeah. Um, cool, huh? So by the time you finish teaching this stuff to your students, will you... <laughs> You're dead. Will and you, they are too. And you haven't taught them any English. Mm. Right. right, we're going to have a 60-hour course on how to learn vocabulary but if before you ask, we can learn vocabulary. Yeah, but if you ask any teacher my age <clears throat> what strategies do students need, they're going to say, oh, you have to teach them social strategies because students who talk in class are going to learn fast. Okay. Um, so students with... Good social strategies are going to be excellent communicators. Or couldn't I just design an activity where the students had to speak to each other? Wouldn't that work? Instead of teaching them to speak, I could not teach them to speak, but actually teach them and they'll speak well. Like yeah, yeah. Teach. I mean, you could design. But in designing the activity, you're taking into consideration Oxford's social, three social strategies. Um, I'm designing my, my activity so that students get to ask questions, social strategy number one. Students cooperate with others in groups, social strategy number two, and so on. So you can, you can actually okay. use these strategies as a way of designing your tasks to make sure that students socialize properly with one another. Now, the thing is, in the 90s, we don't want to say this was terrible because this well, drove is, a lot of... I don't have a, a blanket, this is all BS. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I agree with the premise of it. Mm. It's the practicality. Well, the practicality, again, is it's not easily supported by any research. It's, it's, it's impossible to go students with high social strategies are amazing language learners because it's just not that simple. Um, okay, yeah. And students who lack metacognitive strategies can't learn languages because that's not true either. Um, there are certainly people who can develop metacognitive strategies and become better. Yeah, And okay. maybe taking 10 minutes a week and, and doing a... Let's practice highlighting and note-taking so that you can develop your cognitive strategies is maybe a good idea. The weird, horrible part about this is, uh, as you go through this, I'm realizing that I have a, a set of warmers that I use for advanced classes, mm. and I can't use them with lower-level learners. They, they're just they're, they're too demanding. And I can't even really say they're warmers because most of them take 20 or 30 minutes to do. But they're all kind of based on this kind of stuff. I've got a whole, like, whole game that's insanely complex and is based on uh, suffixes and learning which suffixes go with which. And then I have a uh, whole other one um, that's based on this cognitive strategy of uh, what's the relationship between words and stuff like that. 
So I actually, I guess this stuff stuck with me in the beginning because I do it. Well, I, I, I don't. I would say there's nothing wrong with this. These things are useful to know, and they're and they're certainly worth sticking into lesson every now and again. The idea that these are guidelines for how to make students successful as language learners is what's in question. Okay. Um, spending a, um, a massive amount of your classroom time developing students' memory strategies is probably counterproductive because it's not the input, the investment in, mem- in the strategy training uh-huh. is, is yes. probably not going to lead to that much benefit. Training students in strategies, I mean, when I was at high school, we had teachers come in and, and say, okay, this is how you make a mind map, and this is how you do it, and, and it was good for us to learn that, but it was just another technique that we could use if we okay. wanted to. Um, so the idea that we're going to build a complete course around building students' learning strategies is probably what's, what's being drawn into question here. Okay. Um, so let's take uh, a practical, try to take a practical step at this. Um, I'm preparing the students for an exam. Yeah. And now there are certainly exam strategies where I'm not teaching you English. I'm teaching you how to get the most out of the English that you have to get the high score on your exam. Uh, so it might be simple things like showing the students a quick, easy shortcut so that they can... Um, organize their academic essay on their IELTS test. So this is a washback issue. Now you're not teaching language. Now you're teaching students cheating skills for for getting through an exam. Um, And I would say that this is a really, really useful way of getting students through an exam and and cheating the system. But it's not necessarily very productive language. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's necessary. And that's what the whole TOEIC thing is about. TOEIC or IELTS. So how... The first question after a listening is generally going to be a, 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 a just, just yeah, and teaching the students read the questions before you start tackling the reading. That's a some really something that they just have to do. They need to know what they're reading for. Yeah, and so these are strategies that they need to know, uh, and you need to teach it to them. And or, or the the ones who are going to do well are going to know how to do that anyway. You're teaching the weak ones that are getting this okay. wrong. Yeah. So I would say absolutely, yes, you, you should do that. And um, But it's not actually teaching English. Yeah, and are, are you actually going to make them better at English or are you going to make them better language learners? Well, I don't know. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, I think that if you look back on your life as a language learner, if you've ever learned a second language or a third language or whatever... Um, there's one teacher somewhere along the line that, that tips it for you. She just made it so easy and you yep. loved it. And so that teacher somehow or another does give you the, the skills or the strategies or the motivation or the wherewithal or whatever to, to make it happen. And do you think that one teacher, is she working for everyone or does she just work for you? Because if, yeah, good point. Because if it's just for you, then that leans heavily towards the whole we have different learning styles and we need different strategies. And we need different teachers because everybody's going to learn differently from each teacher. But I would actually lean towards she's probably a good teacher for everybody. Uh, she probably is. Yeah. And that then says none of this other stuff really matters. At the end of the day, and I've always firmly believed in this both as a teacher but also as even as a, a kid when I was a, a student, 
a good teacher can teach anyone. They can teach anyone anything. It doesn't matter how yeah, strong you are. I agree you with are. you, but, but is that same teacher going to have the same tipping effect on every student that comes their way? I, think that I wouldn't say it's a tipping effect, but I would say that a strong teacher can teach anybody in the same way that a strong learner will learn from anyone. If I'm a great student, it doesn't matter how bad my teacher is, I'll still learn. Well, you can learn from nobody sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I have to agree. I find it I find it a little bit irritating when a teacher says to me, oh, I only teach uh, grade six. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not teaching those grade fives. I, I don't teach grade five. I mean, to me, it's like a, a, a mechanic saying, oh, no, I only fix Rolls Royces. I don't, I don't work on these stupid Mercedes cars. Um, okay. You know, if a teacher's a teacher, they should be... Maybe they're good at it. I, I'm not particularly good at teaching kindergarten. I know that. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> if need be, I'll, I'll walk I, in and I can do it. You can. Oh, well, I think there's a big difference between the I don't, I don't teach, and I can't teach, and I won't teach. Those are three different things. I won't teach is the, I won't teach grade fives. That's beneath me. Or maybe more honestly, I, I, I won't teach grade fives. I, it's not my strength. Mm. Uh, but I think I don't, I don't by default is all right, and I can't, I suppose if it's an awareness of your own weakness Maybe I can't isn't that bad. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's somebody who says can't, won't, or whatever. Don't. Whatever, don't oh, yeah. It all boils down to an attitude of... of I don't know. I'm, don't. I'm not a big fan. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the first year of high school. Just never have been. Yeah. I do teach the first year of high school at, at the moment. But even while I'm teaching it, I'm aware that this is the age group that I've always struggled with a bit just this I don't know what it is about this specific age yeah I've always struggled but it constantly makes me go wait wait oh no I can try this no but that's the Maybe thing this it, will work it's not that you don't want to do it you just know that it's going to be hard and that you need and to I stretch need, yourself um, well it's also that I know I just know that I'm not as good at that age as I am with anyway, others anyway we're waffling now Yes, we are. We've waffled off the point, I think. Uh, but is no, but is that a a strategy thing? What a strategy thing. That this is all. It's so dependent on your age, like the age of your learners, the place oh, that sh- you're teaching. Sure. I, the yeah. is this an after school program? And so all these learning thing, all these learning styles and learning strategies are all completely different with this group of 15-year-olds yeah. than it is if I'm teaching them on their summer camp than it is if I'm teaching them as their regular Wednesday morning yeah. 10 a.m. teacher. Look, I think, I think case, the, this, this whole thing about learning strategies, we can't reject it because these are realities. Students do need these strategies. Um, and they're, they're all useful strategies to know, even if you don't use them. They're, in, they're useful for somebody to show you, here's a way of memorizing things, here's how mnemonics work. Um, I would say they definitely should be taking a very far back seat uh, but it's to a back seat. the actual... Uh, today, uh, we're going to do modal verbs, and I'm not going to tell you that we're doing modal verbs. Instead, we're going to learn about how weird some cultures are and how different they are to yours. And did you know that in uh, Australia, you can drink when you're 12, as long as your parents are with you, but 
you can't drive until you're 18. Wow, in in Thailand, that's completely different. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting lesson. I want to join in. Tell I, me I, when you're teaching I, it. I taught it on Thursday morning. It was fun. Right. It's time for a word from our sponsors because we have to um, be paid. Yes, so. All right, so uh, today I'm going to make all you guys aware of a, a fantastic new website that's uh, helping out the creative outlets of people like Steve and myself. So they're proudly sponsoring us, and we are a member of their group now. So please Yay. check them out at, uh, they are Sono Tar Eels, uh, Sono as in sound. Uh, S-O-N-A-R. S-O-N-O. Oh, S-O-N-O. You know, it's the internet, okay. nothing spelt right. Okay. All right, so that's S-O-N-O, Sono, Tar, T-A-R, Eels, and as in like, uh, what does it stand for? English and... I can't even remember what EEL stands for now. E-L is? Yeah. English as in a lingua, No, the English oh. is a lingua franca. It's E-A-L-F. No, that's E-L-F. Mm. Whatever. It's EELS. E-A-L-S. And then uh, pons.or. P-O-N-D-S. No, P-O-N-S. Pons.or. Pons. All right, so check them out. They've, they've been very helpful to us. And uh, in fact, all of our previous sponsors are now members of this group. So right, so it's uh, <coughs> www. Sono eels e a l s pons p o n s dot o r. Thanks for that. Have a great week, weekend, evening, and class. Until we meet again. Tofu Rafa is proudly brought to you by the non-stop Waffler Troy and Steve. For any question, comment, com- complain, or queries, you can email tofurrafer at gmail.com or visit www.tofur.com.